still clapping. Folks, welcome into another episode of the Orlando Soccer Show for a Wednesday, July 19th. Gavin and Kyle with you once again this week, and it is not just Gavin and Kyle with you this week. It is a special edition of the Orlando Soccer Show because we have a guest with us making his first appearance in months. It's not Brent. It's not Brad. It's he who shall not be named. But today we have to name him because he's here and he is our friend, Austin David. Austin, wait, you guys hear that, right? That's his his music coming out. Austin, how's it going? Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, it's been four months, guys. Um, glad I could... Uh, it has not been that long. It has been that long. I, I have uh, officially been a part of the Orlando City family for four months uh in two days yeah ne- uh, on thursday it'll be officially four months to be fair kyle when you record you know twice a month like we do time time does seem <laughs> to crawl by the, the, that I just, like that means i've been covering the team for that long too and i don't believe that yeah it's well, been like a month i mean i understand that it's been longer but like i don't like that you don't like covering the team? Time. Come on, Kyle. No, I don't like. I don't like thinking that that much time has passed. <laughs> That's fair. Well, you don't think that much time has passed? It's been almost like eight years since we've been doing this podcast, and that that's, feels like time has yeah, barely passed. That that's even worse. I hate to tell you, but it's been nine. Yeah, I think it's uh, six full years as the Orlando Shocker Show coming up in uh, September. So. It's, it's funny to uh, think that fun. this show rebranded the first time I left in 17. Yeah, we're working on some soft rebrands behind the scenes. <laughs> I got some things brewing that... You I was going to say, we'll, just every time we'll I leave the eventually. show, you rebrand. There you go. Easy. Yeah, pretty much. We'll be going by a new name at some point. So... Fun. But, uh, but yeah, we're very excited to have you here today to talk Orlando City, to talk the Women's World Cup little bit of uh, nonsense going down in Inter-Miami this past week. All that we'll get into. Uh, but let's start with Orlando City. Big, big victory on the road at Atlanta this weekend. 2-1 to one over Atlanta United. Caleb Wiley scored the first goal, 22nd minute, put Atlanta up. Not going to lie to you, the vibes at that moment were not good. Um, you know, it, it was kind of turning into one of those things like Atlanta might have this one. But Orlando countered very quickly with Antonio Carlos in the 25th minute. His first goal in almost two years uh, coming off a header after Orlando City won a free kick. That made it 1-1. to And then early into the second half, Duncan McGuire, this guy continues to be the man. His eighth goal of the season. Once again, a, an assist for Mauricio Pereira, who had two of them in this game. That was the game winner. That's all Orlando City needed to capture their first victory in the regular season over Atlanta in two years. Uh, the last time they did that, July of 2021. Um, fifth place in the East now, jumping Atlanta, 37 points. I mean, what <laughs> things are going well if you're Orlando City, and they go in and they and they, they get a victory in a pretty tough place to play. Um, Kyle, you know, opening thoughts on this? I think you mentioned the vibes, like as soon as that first goal goes in for Atlanta, I was – not optimistic at all uh, after that point. I was like, yep, this is going to be another one of those games. 
just it's not going to happen. Things are not going to pan out well. I was actually watching it with my dad, who has slowly morphed into becoming more of a soccer fan this year. And we were both kind of like, oh, this is going to be one of those I'm going to leave and go home at halftime type games. And ended up staying and, and was thoroughly impressed with their ability to stay mentally strong. It was kind of an issue earlier in the season, which is not being able to dig themselves out of a hole, not being able to like, oh, something went against us, but that's okay. We will just play better and do better. It had been a lot of like, oh, things are going against us, so we're going to be visibly frustrated on the field. So was really impressed at their ability to to come back and get a really, really nice result out of that going into the All-Star slash League's Cup break. Yeah, and, you know, Austin, you were there in in Atlanta. You've obviously been there with the team pretty much every day for the last four months. Does this win, does a win like this, I don't know, necessarily, I don't want to say necessarily change the vibe, but, I mean, it's uplifting for sure. Oh, no? yeah, well, listen, the, the vibes within the team uh, in the locker room and on the flight back were great. Uh, yeah, everyone was, was happy, thrilled, you know, it's, um, Orlando – Chego, the, the the Brazilian song that they keep playing every time they, they win and celebrate. Uh, could hear that through uh, the very thick double doors leading to the locker room. Um, it was it was a, a really fun weekend. Um, you know, the, I, this was the first time I had been to Atlanta to Mercedes Benz Stadium, and you know, it's huge. Yeah, down there, did you get to go down there on the I field? I did. Yeah, it was very oh, daunting. Man, cavernous down there. Very, yeah. very daunting to be able to like just kind of look up and around, and the the roof was closed, so it kind of really sucked in all of the um, the noise, and the press box was open, so you could really just hear everything that was going on. They announced, I think, forty two thousand people attendance wise. It was probably close to that, you know, announced attendance. Um, usually kind of close to to what it is but it certainly was loud it certainly was a raucous crowd but the way Orlando City handled themselves through minute one to minute 90 was thoroughly impressive you know again going into that kind of environment it's always going to be tough and I remember talking to Oscar before during the week and saying like how do you prepare these guys and he's like you can't you just kind of have to get them out there and, and have them you know figure it out and they did, you know. They they were honestly one of the more the, you know, one of the more dominant performances they've had as a road team, and to be able to go into that environment, be able to play the way they did, you know, have a a, a bit of nervy moments in the last 15, 20 minutes defending. Um, it's again a big difference from where they were in the beginning of the season to where they are now, and I'm, I actually had a chat with Oscar after the game, and I was asking him about you know the the final 15 minutes and he was like well i'm i'm still hurt from the game that they drew against us in the 86 minute back in may and so i didn't want that to happen again so his addition of of putting on rodrigo schlegel in the final 15 minutes going into the five in the back he basically said they're going to try and cross the ball a lot they got yakamakis who's one of their top scorers he's big he goes up for headers we throw the extra center back in there we basically eliminate any of those crosses. We force them to play on the ground. We sunk, we sink back. We get our midfielders, our defensive midfielders, Wilder Cartagena and Cesar Araujo. We get them to break up the passes in the midfield, and we basically eliminate any of their options, force them to shoot from out wide, and hope for the best. And, well, it turned out it worked out. 
there was a bit of an interview moment in stoppage time, which somehow it went to 10 minutes of stoppage time. But Pedro Galese comes up with a massive save in the 97th minute, and uh, Orlando pulls it out. But, yeah, definitely a, a very well-earned victory for the Lions. Definitely well-earned and, and, you know, coming off a week that we documented on the show last week. You know, a very tough week coming off. You know, you get those two wins over Chicago and Toronto, but those are on very quick turnarounds. And then three days later, you're at RSL where, you know, quite honestly, they they didn't show up. They didn't look themselves and they lost four to nothing. But to be able to rebound like this and to go not just back on the road, but to your rival, you know, the biggest team, I think, you know, uh, I guess you could probably say inner Miami games are going to be a little at a different level now, but Atlanta has been that team now for the last five, six years with Orlando where these games, they carry a, a big meaning between the two sides. And even if maybe Atlanta and Atlanta fans won't care to admit it, it, it is a big game and it's a big rivalry game, especially in Atlanta where there's 43, 44,000 people um, for, for Orlando to come and bounce back. Did you get the sense going into this game that, that game against RSL was out of their minds that it was going to have no effect on them. Yeah, one? honestly, it was it was very much just kind of like let's move on. Um there really wasn't any like bad vibes around the team heading into training that week. They were laser focused on Atlanta. They knew what was at stake. They knew it was a tough environment. They knew it was the last game before the break heading into League's Cup. And again, it was it was very good preparation from the coaching staff very good execution from the team uh they did what they needed to do and kind of going back to your point a a second ago when you were talking about how you atlanta fans may not accept this as a rivalry game it certainly seems like they do based on some of the reaction from the stadium like in the stadium leading into the game their pa announcer wouldn't call them orlando city he would just call them the purple team they would constantly say our rivals Orlando City or, or or the purple team and you know the the amount of booze that were coming through uh, at the final whistle uh when I was walking through the concourse to try and get back to our locker room the amount of fans that were like pissed and um you know I was wearing my Orlando polo and they were they were none too happy about seeing me out on the concourse so it it doesn't it definitely feels like a rivalry whether they like to admit it or not um yeah i i don't understand like not seeing this as a rivalry like it very clearly it's a superiority is. complex i think because of the fact that they won the first what five six games undefeated against orlando mm-hmm. so is it is it just them trying to do the like you're not worthy enough to be a rival yeah, so, basically. Yeah, and that, got, at first, it definitely carried that, that. was That was kind of the vibe I got at the in the beginning. So if you go back to pre-Oscar Pereja days, and, and you know, that was that was some dark times in Orlando City. They were 0-7-2 in the first nine meetings against Atlanta United. And since then, they are now 4-2-5. and five. That's four wins, two draws, five... Or four wins, two losses, five draws. So it's been a completely you know, complete shift from Orlando City pre-Oscar Pereja to now current with Oscar Pereja against Atlanta United. So it's definitely become more of a rivalry than it was in the early days because Atlanta was so dominant in those nine games prior. But now you've got 11 games that you've played against them since, 
and you have the better record if you're Orlando City. So, like, it's a rivalry. There's no way if fans are butts mm-hmm. around it. Yeah, and I mean, and now you have an Atlanta team that's obviously, since Tata Martino left, they've gone through the Frank DeBoer area. Uh, they've gone through the Gabriel Hines area. You know, now they have Gonz- or the Pineda area, which, quite frankly, you know, they've been on par or worse than Orlando City in each of the last three to four seasons. And it, you know, it shows. Well, it get, shows yeah, that they are, they are now at a place where... You're forgetting hmm. one important previous Atlanta United coach. Orlando City mm-hmm. former defender Rob Valentino. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Was he forgetting uh, what, that? What was he in charge for like two or three games? No, he was he was in charge for longer than that. Mm. It was like a, a, a good chunk of the season uh a couple years ago. Hmm. He's still there, by the way. He's he's an assistant coach. Yeah. Well yeah. But anyway. Yeah, no, I mean Atlanta <laughs> what they they refused it at first because it you could it was one of those things where it's like can you really call it a rivalry if one team is is winning all these games? But like you said, things have evened out. These games are far more competitive, and you know like we saw earlier in the season in it in Orlando, Orlando goes out and they dominate that game. Atlanta still gets the goal and, and the better end, and those are those those are those moments that create a lot of tension between these two sides because like you said, that game happened months ago. And Oscar Pereja was still thinking about it down to the final whistle of this game, and you don't you don't carry those moments with you unless you really you really want to get one over on a team like this. But Orlando gets the victory. Duncan McGuire, I don't know what more you can say about this kid. You know he scores a billion goals last year with Creighton. He comes into MLS and everyone's is like he's not going to do that. It's not going to translate. And here he is. And it's not just that he's scoring goals. At first, it was kind of he was in the right place at the right time. He's, you know, he's getting these little short range goals, tapping them in. But he's he's scoring goals now that seasoned pros in Major League Soccer are doing. He's doing it with the talent and the finesse that we saw Daryl DK doing it with, Kyle Laren doing it. This guy's the real deal. Yeah, and I think that whoever whoever wants the, to take it. The, the evolution of Duncan has been the most impressive, like. Again, translating your game from college to professional is a tough ask. Not not everyone can do it in the same way that Duncan did. Because, again, his first couple years at Creighton, he scored like three goals total. And then all of a sudden, his junior year, he breaks out and just finds his scoring form. He, I remember talking to him early in the season about it, and he was talking about how the camaraderie with the team and, like, them just kind of knowing their tendencies helped find his spaces to be able to score. But obviously coming into a professional environment, it's so different. You have to adapt to a new team, a new language, because a lot of the guys are speaking Spanish. Uh, and he's taken that on really well. And, you know, I, I Oscar even talked about it uh, with me after the game. He was he was telling me how it's it's not just Duncan that he was proud of, but just all the players that have, like, contributed to his evolution. And... One thing that Oscar mentioned was like when you're playing, he said to Duncan, when you're playing, Mauricio is going to find you. I need you to make these darting runs towards goal and just expect Mauricio to put a ball in front of you. And well, that's exactly how he scored his goal in the second half was Mauricio getting a second assist by putting the ball right on a platter and Duncan doing the rest. And so when you look at that, you know, you credit Duncan with a goal, but Mauricio as a player and as a playmaker has been helping so much in his development just in terms of 
setting him up, putting him in the right spaces to be able to score. And you have, you know, players like Facundo Torres or Martin Ojeda, guys like that that are, are assisting him to be able to be the, the potential rookie of the year at this point. You know, and you're seeing that confidence grow too. And as that confidence grows, you're really starting to see him shine a lot more. I mean, you you saw a little bit earlier in the year when Orlando was giving him. They were putting a lot of responsibility on him. I mean, this kid was playing Champions League a month into his first year as a professional player. And now you have him out here. He's making great runs. He's making confident runs. I mean, he's taking shots all over the field with a, with that level of confidence and that level of difficulty that really... You, it would be almost hard to find out of a guy playing his first professional season, coming straight out of college like that. Um, but it's been it's been fantastic to watch. And like you said, I mean, the, the guys around him that he has. And one of the big things coming into this past offseason was, like, if, if Orlando loses a guy like Mauricio Pereira, like, what are they going to do? Who's going to step in and fill that? And bringing him back was such a big deal. And we're seeing it now. We're seeing him in the impacts that he continues to have on the field even as he continues to get older, even as the guys around him have been changing from one season to the next. He's feeding someone else a, a, someone else the ball every single year, and he's still doing it at such a high level of consistency. Um, so that's been great to watch. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here on the platter for Orlando? I mean, anything else that you guys want to add to this one? Climbing the East, they're, uh, they're comfortably padding their lead above the playoff line at this point. Yeah, I, I – I will say this. Um, it just like a lot of milestones are coming up for Orlando City in league play. Obviously, league play doesn't come up for another month. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess take this as an opportunity to start talking about League's Cup. But when it comes to some of these players, like Kyle Smith has 130 appearances for Orlando City now, which is just kind of wild to think. He joined the team in 2019 and has 130 appearances uh with this with this club now uh antonio carlos is approaching 100 rodrigo schladel is is approaching 90 um i think pedro galese is almost at 300 saves in his orlando city career it's like you know all these big milestones are coming up for for this team and they're heading in a, a good direction into a tournament that i mean it's another opportunity to make champions cup which it's Champions Cup, not mm-hmm. League anymore, because they changed that. So, mm-hmm. um, but honestly, I, I'm excited for League's Cup. There's a, a ton of opportunity uh, to make it into the Champions Cup just by winning a couple games. Absolutely, and so yeah, that's a perfect transition. We get into League's Cup, Orlando City opening it up this Friday. They were supposed to be the first game of the tournament. Um, their kickoff time got changed, so now they are playing at the exact same time as Miami. I would assume so that all eyes can be on Messi at one time. Um, so this game is now going to be overshadowed, and no matter what happens, there's if if a if a Duncan McGuire scores a hat trick at Explorer Stadium, but Messi's down there in Miami, is anyone even going to notice? We'll see. Um, but eight o'clock, they're playing the Houston Dynamo in the opening game. Austin, you know, I'm bullish on on the League's Cup. I I, I understand, you know, the, there's a big monetary prize for it. There is, you know, obviously Champions Cup to qualify for. Is Orlando is Orlando taking this seriously? Do you sense that 
winning an MLS Cup and winning a Lease Cup are on par with each other this season? I think they're taking it incredibly seriously because it's another opportunity to win a trophy. And I think that this club at this point in time has taken it upon themselves saying, well, we've won a trophy now last year with the Open Cup. We want more. This is an opportunity to win a trophy and a meaningful trophy at that. You know, Liga Mekis and MLS have conscribed together to make this a meaningful tournament, not just for the winner of the champion or the, the league's cup, but also for the second and third place teams, because they all get automatic bids to the champions cup too. The difference is the champion of the league's cup will get an automatic uh, buy into the round of 16 for the champions cup, plus also get another trophy. And so you have an opportunity now to make it out of your group. You're, you, you've got to get results against Houston and Santos. Uh, depending on where you finish, you either play the uh, the winner of the uh, the group that has Miami, Atlanta, and Cruz Azul in it, or if you finish second, you're playing Pachuca, who's the Liga MX champions, who automatically qualified for the knockout rounds. So it's definitely a tough ask for Orlando City. You know, not just making it out of the group against some quality teams, because Houston has been on the rise. Santos is always good. But also, if you get out of the group, you could be facing Lionel Messi in Miami. You could be facing Atlanta United, who you just played. You could be facing Cruz Azul, who's a very good team in Mexico. Or you could be de- facing the defending Liga Mekis champions. Um, but again, if you make it out of your group, all you have to do is win four games and then you're in the final. Seems yeah. easy. Well, no, and so, <laughs> yeah, seems like an easy ask. Um, I mean, especially after they had, obviously, international competition earlier this year, and we saw Orlando go up against a very good side in Champions League, and they almost advanced. They almost did what they needed to do in that, and that was at a time in the year when Orlando City was nowhere near the form that they've been playing in now. Um, successful over their last, I think, win undefeated in 10 of their last 11 games. I mean, their form has been fantastic. Um, three wins in four games this month. And now you now you have a, a Houston Dynamo team you're looking ahead to that is a playoff team in the West. The West, however, is far less competitive. They are uh, ninth place, just above the line on 29 points. Uh, you know they've been a very good team at at home this season. However, this game is at Explorer Stadium, where on the road Houston is one win, eight losses, and three draws this season. So they are not a team that you would expect to go away from home and be up for the challenge. That said, this is Orlando City. They are also a team that can be very bad at home. So you look at that, and Kyle, you know. Any expectations? How do you how do you see Orlando City going into this one against the Dynamo? I mean, you talk about expectations and similar to what Austin was saying. Like, I think this team really wants to do well. I think this is this is an opportunity, arguably more likely than MLS Cup, to show where the team is at. Because MLS Cup at this point, there there's a handful of contenders, and then there's teams like Orlando that would be very fortunate to make a deep run. So I think League's Cup is a really great chance to show that there wasn't a step back after the open cup win last year. And it was a rocky start to the season, 
but it could be a really, really good opportunity to get off on the right foot and possibly win another trophy or at least push far in a tournament. And playing some of Mexico's best teams if they if they progress through the tournament. Like this is not gonna be a cakewalk for for any team, assuming everyone involved takes the tournament seriously. There's obviously always a chance where they don't, but like Austin said, I, I think they will and I think there's gonna be a really good opportunity for Orlando here. So I, I think it's gonna be a really interesting game against Houston and I think depending on how that game goes will obviously influence how the second one does. I think if Orlando wins on Friday, that motivates them even more to take this even more seriously. And I think if if they lose, then obviously that may that may change some things on the approach there. But so I expect them to, to come out on the front foot and look for an opportunity to, to win. Yeah, and not only yet, mm-hmm. Gavin, but all the games are at home for Orlando City. Technically at home for both games, although Orlando City is the away team listed against Santos Laguna they are at Exploria Stadium so having the benefit of playing both games at your home stadium not having to travel it certainly helps for sure and what is going to be even more interesting for the group stage there are no draws rather than going uh rather than just ending 1-1-0-0 whatever it's going to be there's no extra time these games will go straight to penalty kicks at the end of 90 minutes that's going to create a lot of drama um MLS Next Pro uses this tactic. Um, when you go to penalty kicks, the winner gets two points. The loser takes home just a point. So that's going to be crucial, especially in that second game. If you get down to the 80th minute, 85th minute, and these two teams, they need all three points, you're going to see a lot of lot of throwing it all at the goal, giving it everything you got trying to get that goal because these teams, you might want to avoid penalty kicks and take it out of chance's hands and uh, try to get it yourself. So that's going to be really fun to watch as we get into League's Cup. Like I said, I'm skeptical on whether or not this tournament is going to be good, but you know, it depends how many teams take it seriously. If, you know, for the most part, if if a lot of them, if most of them, if all of them, see this as a real opportunity to do something, this could be a pretty special thing. Um, but we'll see. You know, uh, Liga Mekis is at the beginning part of their season, so they're typically where MLS is in the Champions League. So the roles are reversed this time. MLS teams are in form mid-season; they're at their peak. Liga Mekis teams are not so we'll see how that plays into those hands um all right one last Orlando City note before we move on here some news coming out of the athletic today on Tuesday uh Tom Bogart reporting along with Felipe Cardenas uh Club Brugge are finalizing a deal to sign Spain youth international midfielder Alejandro Granados from Orlando City the OCB player, he's made 26 appearances for OCB since signing last season. He also made five appearances for Spain at the U-17 European Championships in May. This deal would be around $2 million, which according to Bogart, which would be the largest fee ever generated, uh, will be a new league record for MLS Next Pro. That's a great deal of business for a guy who has played one career MLS minute he made his debut for the Lions in their 2-0 win over Colorado in June coming off the bench 26 appearances for MLS next pro one minute in major league soccer 17 years old and they just got 2 million for this guy uh legally speaking one of the members on this show is not allowed to say much on the deal but he can talk about the player Austin 
what is Orlando losing and what is Club Brug getting here with Granados? Sure. Bruges. I want to. I want to step in. That's possible. Sure they are Belgian. They have the European. <laughs> I'm gonna do the the. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna fill the Austin role here. If you ever see, and you oh, know, there's awesome. the movie there uh, in Bruges with uh, Colin Farrell and blanking on Tim his name. Hawks. It's a great movie, which means I'm sure Gavin hasn't seen it. <laughs> I don't even know what you're he, talking he about. 100. He 100 he, he <laughs> has not seen it. I I actually had to watch in Bruges for uh, <laughs> a class I was taking in college, and that was the first time I had seen it, and it was amazing. Loved it, and. Um, yeah, the reason I know how to pronounce Bruges is because of that yeah, movie. It's a, it's because movie. every five seconds they just keep saying "fucking Bruges." Anywho, uh, Alejandro Granados, uh, great player, <laughs> very uh, very humble kid. Um, I did a story with him. Uh, at this point, it's like a month ago. Um, he had like a, a crazy like whirlwind like month basically, where um, he made his Orlando City debut made his national team debut with Spain all in the span of like a couple weeks. So this was like beginning of May. He was playing for OCB. Um, I think it was May 3rd. He told me he was getting ready to train and then got a text from his agent saying, I need you on the phone right this second. And it was a call up for the Spain U-17 national team. And, you know, he was saying it was, it was something he was working for basically his entire life. Um, he left Spain back when he was a young kid because his dad was looking for uh, for work. And uh, he was nine years old when he came to the States and spent six years in Orlando City's academy before becoming a, a big standout player, getting noticed by, by youth international teams. And, you know, he got called up for both the U.S. and Spain. Um, you know, a couple weeks before he got called up for Spain, he got called up for the youth. Uh, the the U.S. U-17s, and so he's he's been a player that everyone has been keeping their eyes on. Um, he's been, uh, you know, very talented. Some of his intangibles, his goal that he scored in the U-17 championships went viral. Uh, left-footed thirty-yard strike from outside the box, like it was nothing, and perfect bend on it. Really, really um, great story behind him. Great player. And uh, can't wait to see what's next with him. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a big move. He'll be going out there. He'll be joining former New England Revolution defender Tejan Buchanan. Um, Club Bruges, they have a history of scouting MLS players. They've recently tried to sign Brian Reynolds, Brendan Harrison, Diego Rossi. So they, they keep a very close eye on Major League Soccer, and they know talent when they see it. And, you know, good for him, good for Orlando City, good bit of business there. You know, like I said, I just kind of, you know, it's hard to wrap my head around this number for for a guy so young with so so inexperienced. But, you know, who's to say, you know, who's to say what could have been? Orlando City obviously saw that price tag, and it's hard to say no. It's hard to say no for a guy like that. But uh, good luck. Best of luck to him. And we'll see as that deal uh, potentially gets finalized here in the coming days or weeks. Uh, moving on. No pride this past week. They were off. Heading into the World Cup, which I would have assumed that these teams would be taking a break for the first couple weeks of the World Cup, but nope, they're all back in action this week. Uh, Challenge Cup, yeah, it would make sense, but <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, uh, that would make sense. Is, uh, that would make sense. So it doesn't make sense. But uh, back in Challenge Cup action, Orlando City's hosting 
Gotham on Sunday at Exploria Stadium. They need this one. They have uh, just one point dead last in the Eastern Division. North Carolina's on four points after three games. Gotham four through two. Washington three through three. And uh, the Pride, this is their third game. They just have one point. So uh, a draw and a loss. A 4-2 loss back in May was their most recent Challenge Cup game. Uh, back in action, they're only missing, uh, what are they missing, four players for the uh, for yep. the World Cup. The Pride, not the Pride, Gotham is missing six. So a little bit more shorthanded um, heading into that one. Should be interesting. That game will be on Paramount. Speaking. It will indeed. Huh, what was that? Oh, I was, I was just going to talk a little bit about the uh... – the challenge cup and the fact that they're playing uh so many games in the course of uh the next month it's it's four challenge cup games it wasn't supposed to be four challenge cup games it was supposed to be two but what happened was two games against gotham were postponed one was due to the air quality up in north in new york back when the fires were happening in, in uh, canada and they were pulling down into nyc so they had to postpone that game and then the one in orlando that was supposed to happen which is happening this weekend now was uh due to travel with gotham trying to get down to orlando uh, due to weather and so the f- next game against gotham and then the final game of that four game run against gotham are because of makeups yes so all of those creating a pretty tough schedule a lot of games and this is well documented, not a great time of year to have to be playing a lot of soccer, just to be outside in general. It's not a good time of year to be outside this much, but uh, the Pride hmm. will be. They play, uh, let's see, like you said, they play this week, they play on the 29th, the 4th, the 9th, and the 20th. So uh, five games over the next month, six if you want to count the game on the 25th against the San Diego. Luckily, most of these games are at home. They play one, two, three, four of those six games at home at Explorer Stadium. Don't have to travel a whole lot. When they do, it's just up to North Carolina. And then back uh, for that rescheduled game at Red Bull Arena. So good for them. By that point, they should have their World Cup players back by the end of the month. We'll see what happens with Brazil. They get uh, Marta and Adriana back. And then uh, Star Wars night. That should be fun. Is Is there any merch out for that yet? Have they released anything for what's going on with Star Wars night? No, but uh, I would keep your eyes open for it. That's all I'll say. Very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. I, I, I am very excited for, for once this actually becomes public because it's, as a Star Wars fan, I'm hyped. <laughs> That's exciting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, all right. And uh, speaking of Granados and OCB, they did beat Atlanta United 2 this weekend, 3-2. to two. Christopher Acuna and Wilfredo Rivera, 75th equalizer, 76th game winner third goal of the season for Acuna first for Rivera Orlando City had to play the whole final second half down a man Thomas Williams two yellow cards his second just before halftime that put him down um big victory good for them they continue an impressive run this season they'll be back home on Sunday to host Chicago Fire 2 at seven o'clock at Osceola Stadium all right let's move on to MLS and World Soccer before you do sure. that, I want I want to talk about OCB very All quickly right. because not only not only did they win three to two down a man, uh, but they also got named MLS Next Pro Team of the Match Day. Uh, Wilfredo's goal is up for goal of the week or goal of the match day, I should say, um, because he scored from like thirty five yards out, chipping the keeper, and 
again, they were down a player and to score two goals in two minutes to be able to then win the game against your rivals. Uh, definitely an impressive time. And Wilfredo, uh, he had literally just gotten off the plane because he was with the, the first team the night before. So as we were flying back, you know, we got home at like, I think we land, we landed from Atlanta around like one o'clock in the morning. And then Wilfredo goes home, he sleeps, he gets back up and he's, he's playing in the next game, uh, that night in Kissimmee. So, uh, props to Wilfredo, you know, his, he's been working to try and get opportunities. Uh, he's another homegrown player that has been loaned down to OCB for a lot of uh, his time in Orlando. And you got to give credit where credit is due. He's, put in the work and he is certainly uh, reaping the rewards now uh, with a, a very successful OCB team because heck right now they're you're doing great you know it, they had a struggle their first season but Martin Perelman has done incredibly well in terms of building up this young core with uh, players from the academy players from overseas players uh, you know like Juninho who's uh, their midfielder probably the the <laughs> the best midfielder that they've had uh, just in terms of his his quality and you mix that in with the MLS loanies like Jack Lynn who's got double digit goals again this season and you're sitting in fourth place in the Eastern Conference now in terms of an MLS next team you know wins aren't necessarily the most important thing it's the development of the players especially the young players but winning certainly helps and considering you're 6-1 and 2 at OHP, at Osceola Heritage Park, uh, certainly doesn't hurt either. So, uh, props to OCB. Props to them. Yes, sir. All right. MLS and World Soccer. Um, Not really much going on in the world of sports at this moment. The biggest news, obviously, Lionel Messi is officially an Inter-Miami player. He's living the life. He's buying his lucky charms at Publix. He's doing everything that a Florida man would do, running red lights, nearly causing crashes. And a tsunami, a hurricane, whatever, showed up to greet him. Um, didn't ruin the parade. It was a sold-out stadium down there to, to greet him. Um, I didn't watch any of this. Not going to lie. You know, I'm excited to see what he does on the field. The rest of it, I couldn't care less for. Um, but he's there, as well as Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba. Will also be joining pretty soon. That one's almost official. Um, Messi is actually a major league soccer player. Can you guys believe it? It's uh, it's wild. I, I was watching a bit of the um, presentation while the OCB game was going on. First off, the you know, torrential downpour, peak Florida, mm. hilarious. Um, but just to see him like in that stadium, um. To have it fully sold out, like people were paying a ton of money just to see him be presented. It wasn't even a game. You didn't see him play. Just to see him get to walk out on the on the field on a stage and just kind of wave, grab his jersey. Like people paid money for that. Like they also a, got to hear from Greg Burhalter. Change. Yeah, that was random to have Greg Burhalter in the midst of that video tribute video for for him. <laughs> uh, that was interesting, but you know what? to whatever Miami wants to do they can do um it's it's crazy though you know um obviously the hype around him has been a uh, long time coming now there's been a will he won't he for a couple years now ever since Inter Miami kind of came into the league there's been rumors around it uh but now to see it to, si- to to have him sign pen to paper to be out at training 
uh, earlier where like hundreds of media were out there just to see a 15 minute window of Lionel Messi kicking the ball around. Um, it's wild. It's, it's like, it's like the Kaka effect for Orlando when they first joined the league in 2015, but like quadrupled. It also could not be funnier that how many people are finding out or going to be finding out for the very first time that when Messi steps on the field for his first regular season, major league soccer match next month, he will be a part of a last place team, not last place in the East, last place in Major League Soccer. This is the worst team in the league. Orlando City is almost as close to first place as Inter Miami is to actually just literally being in the playoffs. So he's got a lot of work cut out for him. I do think that his impact, his he will make a difference on the field. Who knows how big? I don't know that Orlando. I don't think Miami is going to make the playoffs. I just think that they have way too much of a gap to, to overcome. I think it'll be, make a difference for Miami because if you're any guy on that roster, you're playing with Messi now, and you're going to make every single second on that field count. You're going to try to to show up the greatest player in the world. So those those guys are definitely going to to live up to that, regardless of how bad they've been this season. But I think that, it's I think it's a little twofold the signing. I think it's obviously. All of the signings involved this because with Busquets, Jordi Alba, and supposedly reports are now saying that Luis Suarez is trying to get out of his contract down in Brazil and come up here as well. It's definitely a looking more towards next season, given where they're at and how late in the season this is coming. But seeing, I mean, I was saying earlier, just seeing the picture of Joseph Martinez and Messi big grins on their face in training and realizing like, man, if that combo is clicking, that's, that's virtually unstoppable. Like that, that is something that can be a huge, huge, huge threat. I think it'll obviously make more of an impact next season because they would have to win almost all of their remaining games and hope for some other people to, to really drop some results. But I think this is obviously it's huge for for MLS. It's a huge impact, but I think it's also, I think it's good for the league that he's not going to come in and immediately make them a contender, because it it helps avoid some of that retirement league talk, and that oh these guys can still come over here and dominate because the league's so bad. I mean, I think it was Wayne Rooney that said that like he's going to be in. It's going to be tougher than he thinks coming in, and I think that's the thing we've heard from a lot of players at different stages of their career, but over the last couple of years is that this league is, is tough and it's a lot tougher than it used to be. It's, it's grown. The quality has grown. Like things are better. So I'm, I'm really interested to see obviously how the rest of the season pans out, but more than that is going to be this team next season when they've got everything that, that Tata Martino wants to do. And, and they're able to maybe bring in a couple other bit players around them and what rules MLS is going to bend to allow Busquets, Messi, Jordi Alba, and Luis Suarez all on the same team, which they're absolutely going to do whatever they can and uh, whatever's in their power to make that happen. I don't really blame them, but also that sucks. But yeah, that team, that team, not going to be able to do much this year because of the way the season started, but by this time next year, if they're not a massive contender... I will be I will be shocked. For 
sure. So Miami's played 22 games this season. If Messi were to play in every one of the remaining regular season games, um, it's up to apparently some of these teams, Charlotte and Atlanta, are talking about putting fake or real grass down. That would obviously encourage him to play a couple of those games. If he plays all 12 games, how many goals do you think that this guy scores? Double digits, at least? No. No? Uh, 12 games, no. I think I think probably seven. I think he hits at least double digits. I think the physicality is gonna take him take him a step back at first, but once he gets himself, if he's committed, if he's legitimately interested in coming here and being as good as he can be, I think he scores at least at least double digits. I yeah, I just don't, and it's not because I don't think he's gonna be good enough to. I think I I don't know if that's necessarily gonna be their game plan. And I think you're going to be in a position well, where... Well, I mean, this team's only game plan is get like, the ball to Messi. That's all they've got the ability to do. I I, I don't know if I agree with that. And I think there's other talented players on the team that will be able to take advantage of all the attention he's going to get on the field. It, it's similar to we watched we watched the effect. You mentioned the Kaká effect with Orlando City. Like, Orlando City, when they had really weak rosters but had a superstar in either Kaká or in Nani... The ball always went to them, no matter how bad of a position it was, no matter how bad of a move it was, and they still weren't able to do that much with it. Now, I understand Messi is a different level, but I still think I think Martino is is a smart enough coach who spent enough time successfully in the league that he's going to game plan for that. And so the goal is going to be to take advantage of that extra coverage and allow players like Joseph Martinez, who's a very great goal scorer in MLS, to take advantage of that and play and i think for someone like messi whose competitive drive is to win and succeed i think he's gonna have no problem being the playmaker for other guys so i think there will be an uptick in goals i just don't think they'll all necessarily be him but i think he'll be in heavily involved in them if that makes sense no for sure it'll be interesting definitely he's walking into uh He's walking into a dumpster fire, so that'll be fun to play out. His first game will be this Friday in the League's Cup. They keep saying it's his debut. I mean, I'd be a little surprised if he played more than, like, 30 minutes in this game, but we'll see. Women's World Cup, that's also starting this week. That will also be overshadowing Lionel Messi's debut in the World Cup. The United States, they play on Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, all the way down in New Zealand. Their next game is on the 26th. That is also at 9 p.m., and then they wrap up on the 31st of July at 3 a.m. in the morning. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Hopefully, I'd like to think that they'll have the group wrapped up by then. At least if, if I can go to bed that night knowing comfortably they're advanced, then I might not have to be awake at 3 a.m. to watch the game. I can just, you know, rewatch it on demand later. But uh, what are you guys excited for? They got Vietnam, the Netherlands. That's going to be a very tough one. Obviously, the defending runner-up in the 2019 world cup and then portugal another pretty good team this is uh uh out of curiosity who's the defending world women's world cup champions the united states is um i'm told the two-time defending women's world cup champions no country men's or women's has ever won three in a row so this would be i'm, I'm getting reports in that are confirming yes. this uh, my sources are telling me that the united states do be very good mm-hmm. And do be my favorites to win the whole dang thing again. Yep. This is uh, expectations are high. The U.S. they haven't won anything 
under under Vlatko. They got bronze, I believe, at the uh, Olympics a couple years ago. A lot of turnover. Did you know? Did Did you know they did an Olympics, like since COVID started? I because I forget about it a lot. That, yeah. I, I I was reading about something the other day, and it was talking about like the postponed twenty twenty Olympics, and like apparently they actually did them, yeah. and I don't remember that. Like, I think I might have remembered. Was that the Olympics that had Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart doing their thing on Peacock? Um, was that this last? It was, the, it, was the one, it was the one that Canada won. Canada won the gold mm-hmm. for the, the women's soccer for that one. Oh, but, but I mean, I don't remember the Olympics at all. Like, it's not even oh. just soccer. Yeah it, was because, like, yeah, it was because it was at, like, really random times. Like, it's, it's going to be just like the Women's World Cup, where it's, like, out in... Um, because where where was the the twenty one World Cup? Was it in China? The Olympics was in the, Japan. The, the Olympics Tokyo. were in Tokyo. Japan. Yeah, yeah, Tokyo. That's right. So like you had stuff starting at like three o'clock in the morning where people weren't watching, and then you had stuff starting at nine o'clock at night when people weren't watching, and you know it was it was just so much stuff happening at random hours of the evening or early morning uh, that it was hard to keep track of. Now with the Women's World Cup, you have games that are kicking off at three four in the morning and then nine ten o'clock at night. Um, you know, for the U.S., there's mostly at nine, and then that one three o'clock game, and then Brazil, theirs are usually at six seven a.m. Um, you know, obviously Orlando Pride have three Brazilians with the Brazilian national team, Adriana, Marta, and their newest signing, Rafael. Um, and then they also have a player that just signed uh, recently, who's playing for Argentina, uh, Mariana Laroquette. So there's four, but two teams for the Pride that need to kind of watch out for. Uh, and speaking of the Pride and the World Cup, they're having four watch parties uh, that you can go to. If you want to go to, to, there's two 9 o'clock p.m. watch parties for the U.S. games against China and the Netherlands. There's a Brazil watch party for their 7 a.m. game against Panama. And then the Women's World Cup final, which kicks off at a crisp time of 6 a.m., on August 20th, and that'll be happening over at the uh, Orlando City Soccer School down in Millennia. You gonna you gonna be over at that? You gonna go to a nice six a.m. six, six a.m. If the U.S. are in it, I will go. Hmm. We'll cross and that bridge than, when it comes, won't we? <laughs> other than that, although actually that'll be that'll be in the midst of me. I may not have time, but. <laughs> I like the those are peak hours for me. Early morning stuff I love. I it, during the men's world cup knockout stages after the first round I was in New Zealand and so all of those were on at like two in the morning, three in the morning, and I got up for every single one of them because I'm an absolute sicko. <laughs> so that was great, like sitting there watching the World Cup final at like three AM, like barely keeping my eyes open but it was one of the best world cup finals we've had in in probably in my lifetime for sure but one of the best ever so i'm excited on this front with the women's world cup one in which the u.s has a really great chance and even outside of the u.s having rooting interests in brazil obviously having some orlando pride players who've been really key to the pride success this season so it'll be it'll be great to be able to watch and I think the cool thing is, too, we've talked a little bit about this on and off air over the years, but women's soccer has really 
improved outside of just the small handful of of strong teams like it, it had always been for so long the u.s's tournament to lose and if they showed up and underperformed there were one or two other countries that could come and pip them to it but there wasn't this massive and a lot of that was because these other countries especially over in europe didn't have the strongest domestic leagues and over the last you know five ten years that's all really really changed to where nwsl is still an incredibly strong league and arguably the strongest but it is arguable because the 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 women's soccer league in england is good and uh, you have some great teams over over in spain and in france and the leagues may not have quite the depth that nwsl has or even the women's soccer league but they're still pretty good and there's some really good quality there and i think it's something the fact that those team those leagues will all be in the new not fifa fifa game will help draw more attention and all that does is build the game so the fact that coming into a tournament it's not just oh yeah you've got you know the u.s and uh, two or three other countries and you know that's really it everyone else would be kind of and eh, we'll see and there's still a couple teams that you're like hey you know we're glad you made it thanks for coming try to keep your goal differential lower than 20 negative 20 <laughs> but I, it's it's just nice to see that the game has continued to grow in a way that obviously as an American <laughs> I hate the extra competition mm-hmm. I love if we could just keep winning <clears throat> World Cups it's always great but having more competition having better quality in the game and, and having it be something that's treated more equally globally is is nothing but great Yes. yeah and, and you also uh, you mentioned all the other countries uh, just throwing out the, the Frau Bundesliga who have I think the most wins in the cha- women's champions league uh in the tournament's history and Wolfsburg who finished runners up to Barcelona last year have been in the uh the championship game six times and then you have Frankfurt who's been in the championship six times as well and they've won four so like Germany's also going to be one of those teams that you kind of have to watch out for um say England as well like the investment in the women's super league has gone up incredibly over the last handful of years England coming off a European championship yeah England's got a bit of an issue with just a lot of their star players being hurt right now so uh their chances are are less but I think you know you you could still have them in in a, a top four scenario and I was looking at the U.S. like their bracket if they win the group and they make it out of that section of the bracket like in theory, the hardest team you'll be playing is Spain. And Spain's good, though. Which is a hard They're definitely yeah, not someone to take game. lightly. <laughs> it's no, no, a no. pretty hard game. Right, but every other team is, is like, very beatable for, yeah. for the U.S. If they, if they show up and show out. And it's very, it, like, you know, kind of going off what Kyle is saying, it is very fun to watch over just the last 10 years, the last three to four World Cups, going back to, you know, I remember watching the 2012, no, 2009 2013 one of those world cups where you know the the amount of favorites going into this tournament it gets wider and wider every year like you you know talking about spain like again they're another country where the investment in the women's game has gone up so much and in germany and france and in england you're seeing all around mostly in europe you know granted you're seeing in in these south american countries too it's it's a little bit behind but it's getting better um, this is the largest women's World Cup ever. 32 teams this year, up from 24 last year. 
So, yeah, I mean, from a competition standpoint, the, the field has never been greater. The field has never been more talented. That's what I'm most excited about. I mean, we obviously don't need to really talk about the U.S. You know, if you want to get any previews on them, the Athletic, ESPN, you know, there are a million different U.S. Women's National Team previews out there. But I'm, I'm excited I will say for this, the rest though. of it. I will say this. I did some digging, went through all the rosters of the Women's World Cup, Current and former Orlando Pride players playing in the World Cup, there are more than 20. Hmm. Yeah. It feels almost like being like a Pittsburgh Pirates fan in baseball where it's like there's at any time there's like a World Series going on, you can just assume there's going to be like five to ten former Pirates players. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because like, you know, one team that you wouldn't necessarily expect um, to have a lot of former Pride players is uh, Jamaica, who has two. <laughs> Denisha Blackwood, um, who uh, who had a cup of tea, and then um, Kanya Plummer as well, who was a UCF grad. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Does the U.S. do it? Who wins? Oh, does, the, does the U.S. do it? Ugh. Do I piss red, white, and blue? Oh what kind of question is that? Yes, I should see a doctor, but I live in America, so that's not possible. Um, if if the the world was right, I would love to see a U.S. Brazil final, um, because it's Marta's final World Cup, it's Megan Rapinoe's final World Cup. Um, I as as a a company man, I would love to see Brazil take it all. Um. And I hope they do, but also the U.S. are pretty good, so I'll give it to them. <sighs> I'm gonna go with Damn France. Uh, I'm just vibing. Ooh, they got a good. They, get this they got a, a somewhat tough group. Brazil, this, this man, Panama. This man spoke high school French, and he's like, ah, yes, I'll go with them. Yes, yes, um, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> Group B is another good one. You got Ireland, Australia, Canada, Nigeria. That's that's the considered group of death. That's gonna be a fun one. But I think uh, I don't know. I I want, I'm gonna be optimistic. I want the U.S. to obviously win. I'm just not sold. They will. Nah, they will. I won't let your 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 communist beliefs <laughs> ruin our good old fashioned patriotism. <laughs> so be it. All right. Let's uh let's let's hit into the tail end of the show. Let's start wrapping things up. Does anyone have uh red cards playing advantage that they want to give out this week? I I don't have red cards, but I do have some uh, world soccer stuff that I wanted to mention. Sure. Just while while I'm yeah. on here, yeah. Um, Exploria Stadium is going to be hosting two Premier League teams next Wednesday. Uh, Aston Villa and Fulham are playing. Are we getting paid on for these ads? Wednesday the twenty sixth at seven o'clock. Hey, listen, it's soccer <laughs> in Orlando. You know. Before I left the show, I was still doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. This is and I'll very be doing true. it during yes. uh, my time with with the club. Now the the club isn't going to be running anything in terms of uh, media ops, but I'll I'll just be there in a kind of journalistic capacity, anyways. So uh, I'm not even getting paid for this, but it's a cool experience to have a, two Premier League teams at Exploria Stadium, uh, right in your backyard, part of the the summer series that the Premier League is doing, where they have uh, a ton of their uh, kind of I guess mid table teams. Uh, going around, you have Aston Villa, Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Fulham, and Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle being obviously the the the, the big one uh, currently. 
and yeah it'll be it'll be really cool to be able to see some of these games especially uh since arsenal came last year and played at Exploria against orlando now you get to see two premier league teams square off at Exploria stadium uh and then the week after that on august 2nd uh that's the big one at camping world stadium where juventus and real madrid are playing um that's that's a pretty big deal to to have a team in town that will be uh playing with those those teams of that magnitude uh very exciting for that one as well well there you have it um you said you didn't have a red card did you have a playing advantage was that your playing advantage sure all right playing advantage to the premier league coming to orlando there you go (laughs) kyle Ooh, I am going to. You know what? I'll play advantage to something that I actually just uh, just watched today. Just watched Lawrence of Arabia for the first time. I still can't. Was, I can't believe that you just just watched that. I I honestly can't either because it's right up my alley. Like super long historical epic. Peter O'Toole is fantastic. Alec Guinness is in it. Uh, he's fantastic. I, I'm actually. I think I'm going to watch uh, rewatch Ridge on the River on the River Kwai. Uh, which I've seen multiple times, but it's just a fantastic movie. I just, I love historical, like long. It's great. If a movie has an intermission, sign me up. And so, yeah, I'm also surprised I haven't watched it, but it's amazing. Like there's some things, it's definitely an era, um, a movie of its era, but there's also some moments where it's like challenges the kind of white savior idea when he gets to the point where he realizes, you know, he wants to be, Arab and he wants to be a part of them and he realizes he's not and he can't be and so there's some really cool scenes with that 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 uh, for a movie in the 60s to be dealing with in the way that they did I thought was really great fantastic movie certainly belongs on the list of all-time greats like that good and the I watched the 4k new like kind of re I don't know if remaster is the right word but but the 4k version and the quality was phenomenal. Sometimes those making, turning an old movie into 4K, they really butcher it. And they did not hear it. It was fan freaking tastic. So, uh, very good. I'm going to give my playing advantage to any movie with an intermission. Well, there you go. I'll uh, I'll stick to that same vein. I'll I'll give a playing advantage to uh, to I finished Star Wars Rebels this week, and I am now even far more excited for Ahsoka coming out next month. So. Uh, that's going to be exciting. A lot to uh, a lot of a lot of bridges to gap there for them heading into that. But uh, this is very well. You know, it's one of those shows where I wish I had known about it sooner, because it was uh, it was a well worth watch. It w- obviously didn't. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now you knew about. Eh, it. No, you I I think you I think you're overestimating just how much I paid attention to what was actually out there outside of the movies for a bit. I was a big fan of the movies, but I never really dug deeper into all of the other stuff until I got Disney plus and like actually started seeing that. Weren't you big into reading some of the books? Mm, no, I didn't really start reading the books until a few years ago. Big, big and reading Gavin is uh, <laughs> also a little, I didn't really learn how to read until a few here. years ago. So I've got a lot of catching up to do in that <laughs> regard. So. It makes you, it makes you really wonder how you wrote all those articles back in the day. <laughs> I mean, did you ever yeah, read them? Yeah, are, are you, <laughs> you acting like you didn't actually have to look at any of them? I mean. Uh, I, I had to edit yeah, them. What go. are you talking about? <laughs> I told you. I only just, it, it was very evident. Now, 
I did learn much faster than Brent learned how to read and write, but I still it took me some time. <laughs> Brent <Resting>. catching strays. <laughs> Listen, when the guy said he was going to try to make some time to be here, and he's not here, so he gets what he deserves. <laughs> so um, I can't argue with you there. Yeah. Um, also started watching uh, The Bear. I'm a few episodes into that, and Righteous Gemstones, which I'm very glad I started watching that one. So I'm just Ooh, Righteous I'm Gemstones actually, is good. Yes. I'm a big fan of the bear. Yeah. Um, big big bear guy. Yeah. I'm uh, excited to see. I have not I have not watched the bear at all. It's it's one of those ones that's on my list. I just got a lot of things to get through, but I would uh, I would recommend starting it. Yeah. Yeah, I just I've got I've got things I got to watch for work. I got to some anime series I've got to review. Reborn is a vending machine, which is like a real thing that I I've seen that watching it's, and reviewing that's um, so amazing that they had that it's, out it's like actually way better than i thought it would be but uh yeah so i gotta do a lot of that so i'll, I'll get around to it eventually i've heard it's great but yeah uh, righteous gemstones is fantastic mm-hmm. it's 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 very good i enjoy I, it I'll, but i'm also just like it's got a fantastic cast oh, yeah. so that helps I mean, honestly, like when you when you have Danny McBride in anything, it, you know it's going to be very very funny and and well done. Um, and they they've obviously hit on a pretty good note there. Um, and John Goodman, yeah. John Goodman's just fantastic in everything he's in. I'm excited to get to some of like the stuff that I've seen like references to in the show. I'm on. I think I've watched like the first five episodes of season one. I watched the first two episodes of The Bear, and then I went over and started watching that, and like got hooked way deeper into that. Um, so I just kept watching that. So I think I'm going to have to make my way through that, um, first before I get on to anything else now. Um, as far as a red card this week, I do have a red card to the reaction from soccer players around the world to Benjamin Mendy being cleared of the, uh, rape charges against him. And it's a very sad and twisted world that soccer players will never use their voice to speak out about things that truly matter in the world you know mental health gay rights human rights all of these things but when a soccer player who during a trial admittedly was sent talking about you know revealing himself to be someone i that only sees women as sex objects that is only seeing women as i am straightforward with them i don't want to date these women i ask them directly do you want to have sex with me do you want to go back and you know athletes who see themselves as victims of when they do something bad um, in the scenario. A guy who was accused by seven or eight different women of charged with rape and sexual assault and all these, and he's cleared, which doesn't mean that he didn't do it. It's almost very difficult to impossible to prove these things beyond a reasonable doubt when you're putting it in a jury in front of a jury of other people. And all of the soccer players that have come out without pouring support and you know going after the women for trying to take him down and end his career and all these things. And it's, it's sad to see because it puts these women now, women that are very well in these situations, you know, that are being sexually assaulted and, and, and whatnot. It makes them more afraid. It makes them less likely to speak up and to, to stand up for themselves and to, to get justice for things that have been done to them. And it just it is very infuriating to see. So that's my red card for the week. I'm with you on that. And, like, I think, obviously, we would all love it if, in these situations, if it turns out that, like, assault and things like that didn't happen because nobody likes the fact that those things happen. We would love to live in a world where they don't happen. Mm -hmm. But if they have and things like this happen, like, A, it's never good 
to come at women in in, the, in these things, but it's also like, where are you in the serious thing? Where are you? Okay, you're gonna come out and defend your friend and defend your buddy, but yet you you'll never come out and speak out mm-hmm. against the people that you know and the people that you're close to. And it's like, man, that's really that's really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, so you I'm have people you like. Um... Neymar writing supportive things, um, and not Mbappe, um, Pogba, Jack Relish liking these posts. I mean, these are all world famous football. Some of the best that they, what they do, and they're 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 as quick as they possibly could be to come out in support of Mendy in these in the in this case. And you won't hear these guys talk up about anything else. Um, so it's just very very disheartening and very sickening. Um, and I feel for you know. The, the victims in this scenario, the victims in any of these scenarios who are, who go through these. And like I said, it's for every hundred um, women that are bringing these cases to authorities, a very, very small amount of them get prosecuted and an even smaller amount actually end up in convictions regardless. Um, so just something to, uh, you know, to have out there. All right. Um, bread cards, weird news. Does anyone have anything fun? Um, that they saw on the internet, weird news, anything exciting that they'd like to share this week as we end the show here. I saw uh, good. Any, in the, some, in this economy? some exciting people mm. at the Barbie premiere or something like that. Uh, we <laughs> saw some people. <laughs> shout, shout out Shout out to the uh, the writers and actors that are striking. Solidarity with yeah. them. Yeah. Yes. You know, we uh, we're not going to get any new TV anytime soon in the next uh, two years at this rate. I mean, you know, some stuff will come out. You won't see them being promoted, but uh, beyond that, they definitely get what they deserve. Did you guys see the uh, the term sheets? So like they released uh, like what they have been negotiating on, um, like the SAG writers, and it's just a lot of like just basic like safety things and like pay stuff that are just being straight up rejected by these studios. Um. It sucks. It sucks. Then then they're all being used. And now you see a studio executive saying our goal is to wait them out. We're going to make them lose their houses, make them starve, pretty much bleed them dry until they have no choice but to come back and work for us on our terms under our conditions. So, um, yeah, like you said, standing in solidarity with them. So Um, a lot of negative things were ending the show on here. Does anyone have something positive before we close this out? Leave on a high note. A lot of. uh, Um. All the Orlando soccer teams are winning. Yeah, that's that's that true. is true. That's a good way to leave it on um, Orlando City. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Like I said, three win, three wins out of four games this month. That's pretty good. OCB uh, doing it as well. Um. So yeah, let's uh, let's end it there. Um, an hour ten minutes. That's one of the longest shows we've done in a while. You're welcome. Um, Again, yeah, thanks. Thank you to Austin. Thank you. No, sincerely, thank you for uh, for joining us here. Um, Brent, who, as we mentioned, couldn't be bothered. It shows that he's currently playing Modern <laughs> Warfare 2. Um, so the man is home. The man is is on his phone, and he can see that we have messaged him. So, um, Brent, Amazing. sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, come on, man. Yeah, come no, on. It's, it's, been, it's, been, come on. it's been fun being back. Missed you guys. Yes, yes. We. I would say I've missed you as well, but I see you virtually every week now, yeah. which has been which has been great. Um, I've seen you more in the last four months. I probably have in the last like six years. <laughs> it's sad, but just true. Be, just because it's been like multiple times a week. Yeah. 
all those home games so. for City and Pride. Do you feel your life has yep, been we'll better off because of this? I listen. He's getting we paid. Were nice, we were nice to Austin on his farewell episode. I'm not going to be nice to him tonight. <laughs> he's he's in our house Fair. now. This is now our house. We're on the lease. <laughs> So. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> about that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Are we? Anyways. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Well, maybe. Uh, League's Cup. Kyle's going back to uh, to standing in the hot sun for 19 hours a day. So we'll, uh, we'll see what our plan is. We might use this as a little bit of a break um, in between all this not soccer going on. Or we'll be back next week. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But uh, until next time, for Kyle, myself, and for Austin David joining us. Austin, maybe we'll see you again in another four months at the end of the season. Who knows? Who knows? Bye-bye.